Welcome to the Beyond the Bucket Show, a podcast centered around optimizing all lives' buckets. We all have buckets we are balancing, coaching, entrepreneurial ventures, family, passion projects, and health. Let's all take this journey together and become bucket fillers. And here's your host, Chris McSwain. Craig Campbell is the girls' varsity basketball coach at Clovis West High School. Craig is one of the best coaches in the entire United States and has over 600 wins during his 20-plus year career. In 2017, his team was the consensus national champion based on three national publications. Craig is relentless in his approach to improve for his own knowledge and to better equip his teams for success on and off the court. We have a very candid conversation about his growth mindset, competition, how he runs his program like a business, and his philosophies on offense, defense, and coaching effort. For all my basketball enthusiasts, this is a great episode. Before we start, if you have 60 seconds after this podcast is over, please make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with your friends. Helps me bring on more guests to help us all become better bucket fillers. Also, follow me at Chris underscore underscore McSwain on Instagram and Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. Now let's get to the show. Welcome back to the Beyond the Bucket show. It is my pleasure to have a national champion on our hands. Uh, has over 600 wins in the high school ranks. Uh, Craig Campbell, welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You're the uh, head women's coach or girls coach at Clovis West High School. You've been there for a number of years now, uh, but you started your career out in Reno. You've been coaching for over 26 years, I believe. Uh, tell me, you know, what your process has been and what you've learned kind of uh, in, your, in your coaching career so far. Well, you know, when, when I was done playing um, right away, the, you have that competitive desire um, and the, the uh, local middle school up in Reno needed a seventh grade B team girls coach. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, 500 bucks when you're 19 years old, trying to figure out what you're going to do as you're going through school and stuff and playing on the side, not bad. So I got into it and I just started really enjoying the, um, it started filling that competitive feel. Sure. And so, um, I, I started going into that, and at the time, girls and boys were different seasons up there. So I coached the girls' season, and then the, the boys opened up because I did well with the girls. And so I'd go girls, boys, girls, boys. Yep. And my second year, I got asked to be a JV assistant on a boys' program. And my third year, um, I was asked to be a JV head coach, uh, JV coach on the girls' side. Mm-hmm. And by 21, 22, by the time season started, all of a sudden I had my first head varsity job. So in wow. four years, I was thrown into the fire, and that first year inherited a two and twenty-three team. Everything I thought I knew about basketball went out the window. Yeah, I'm like I don't, I don't know crap about basketball anymore. We were like four and twenty-one. Uh, went to a Nike coaching clinic that spring and listened to Shashevsky and Dean Smith and many of the legends. And I'm like, well, wait, we were trying to do some of the right things, but we just don't have very good players. Yeah. Um, and then the, the next year we had a good group come through of freshmen and we went year two from four and 21 to 20 and eight. And from there, it just, you know, just, it just kind of kept it going. And the thing that got us going there that has continued and even 
gone to greater depths here is our feeder program. I was coaching the seventh and eighth graders there that right. fed into our high school. So I would literally go three to five, seventh grade, five to seven varsity in Reno. Wow. And my varsity always hated if we ever lost a game in middle school because they knew I came in in a bad mood. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, they lost. It's going to be a rough practice. Yeah. Um, but that's one of the things that drew me to Clovis West was Clovis West is set up. We have seven elementary schools that feed one middle school that feed us. And wow. so my, my official title is director of girls basketball, Clovis West area. Yep. So I, I'm in charge of kindergarten through varsity and we run AAU down through our second and third grader. So we've taken what we're doing in Reno and just mass produced it. And that, that's the single greatest factor into our sustained success. I love that. And uh, you mentioned a couple of things and we're going to get into the uh, get into basically the business in which you run your basketball program under just a little bit because, uh, you know, it is run like a well oiled machine. Uh, but most importantly, I think you mentioned it talking about the growth mindset. You talked about a coaching clinic that you went to, you know, 20 plus years ago. Uh, we just attended a, a virtual coaching clinic uh, over the last two days. And that is the one thing that comes to mind when I think about you is just always trying to get better, always trying uh, to find little things that can make your uh, organization better or your teams better. Uh, and that is, I think that is really your secret sauce and really what you've kind of built your legacy on to this point is just always growing, always becoming uh, a little bit better or 1% better every single day. Uh, tell me about that competitive nature that you've got, that growth mindset, and where did it come from? You know, the, the competitive nature, I don't know what it is, but it's, it, I am just tweaked that way. Yeah. When I watch the things of when you hear, you know, Michael talk and Kobe talk and magic talk and, and it just they start talking competition and, and a, a switch flips it's like when I was in high school we'd be over at buddy's houses two in the morning playing Nintendo and like okay last game and if I lost that last game no -uh, yeah. we're playing again we're running yeah. it back and it just it, it's you know it's it, I don't know if it's a sickness a curse <laughs> you know it can be a blessing yeah, and a it curse is, it is. Um, but it's just you know our our entire family it's you know who can be the first one to get upstairs and get to bed? Who can be the first one here? And it's just, we, we just, we, we love competition. Um, aside from missing being with my kids and the teaching part right now, yeah. watching the last dance and all things going on, it, you miss competing with your kids and sure. your, and your coaching staff and, you know, go, going into, it's just, it's just such a great thing. Um, in terms of the growth, it's like anything. We can't expect of our kids what we're not going to model. Right. So I, I can't tell them, you guys better be punctual. You better be on time. And I roll in at 301 for three o'clock practice. Right. And so, you know, if I want them to grow, I've got to be constantly trying to grow. Yeah. And I, I look back, gosh, I mean, it's been 26 years. I'm going, I must've been a horrible coach the first 10 years oh, because yeah. I, I, I've changed and grown so much. And, and even in the last, from our 2017 team stuff, we ran this year. I'm like, God, that would have been really good with this, this team, you know, and, Right. You're just constantly trying to find new ways to get, like you said, you get 1% better when you've been doing it 26 years. That, that's a lot. It is. And, and I think there's a lot of young coaches or maybe not young experience wise that come into the game feeling like they know it all. Sure. And I remember when I came in at 22 years old, I, I was, even though I was young, I'd been around basketball my life. I had the utmost respect that we're already doing it. Right. And 
I, I wasn't putting down the programs and coaches that were kicking our butts and were there. I'm like, that's where we need to get to. And, you know, I, I think success breeds success. And so as I started building what I wanted my program to look like and still to this day, I don't just steal from girls basketball coaches. I go to right. boys basketball coaches. If, if I see, I mean, th there's things that, that I've stolen from the Patriots, you yeah. know, about mindsets and the way you conduct yourselves and motivational stuff. And so, you know, I, I'm always, we have a really highly successful, one of the top wrestling programs in the nation here in our Valley. And there's things from them that I've stolen about culture and different things to just always try to make us a little bit better. No doubt. No, I agree with you 100% in all walks of life. Um, you know, for, from business owners, I want to get in their head and understand how they're managing all the people because it's, their problems are very similar to what coaches have to deal with. It's yeah. about managing all the all the things that come into play uh, and just stealing different ideas. I remember, uh, I forgot who it was, but a basketball coach, I think it was um, I forgot who it was, but anyway, they went out to Oregon's uh, football practice and they watched Chip Kelly when he oh, yeah. was there and he was, he was doing everything so fast. He had, he had both sides of the ball and they were, th this team would run the play, this team would run the play. And then the next, as soon as this other team was done, they would be right back on the next play and just getting so much more done in a limited period of time. Yeah. Whereas previously you run the play, everybody goes back to huddle, everybody's standing on this side, everybody standing on this side and it's just a complete waste of time and I remember when I read that I wanted to transform our practices and become faster you know mm -hmm. what can we do I heard that he doesn't get water bakes but they can get water at any time that's mm -hmm. one thing that we do to our day you put your water bottle you put your everybody's got their hydro flask we put it on the baseline you need water go get it but we're not yeah. going to stop practice to do it and yeah. you can get it at any time. And, uh, you know, I just, that's just one of the things that I really appreciate uh, about you and just people like us, that competitive nature, no matter what it is, we're trying to win uh, at everything and we're yeah. going to do it. Uh, we're going to do it to the best of our abilities. And guess what? We'll be okay. If we fall a little bit short, if the other person was just better or the other team was just better, it is what it is, but we're going to fight like heck to try to make sure that we don't feel that, that hurt of losing. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because, you know, you and I didn't know each other when we first started coaching against each no. other. Yeah. And just from how hard you coach your kids and the way your kids pre perform and conduct themselves and, Hopefully we do the same. We built a relationship. Yeah. We had some, we had some great battles yeah. and it was never snubbing people through the handshake line. Your kids never come through the line, turn their head away. It's just yeah. like, those are the people and programs that I've developed really strong relationships with, because that's how I hope that we're carrying ourselves. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, it doesn't have to, I, I should want to kick your butt. You should want to kick mine, yeah. but we can be cool after. And, and we can help each other get better and we can have respect. And our kids, our kids are going to follow our leads on that. No and doubt. so I, I always enjoy and appreciate those people that I've developed these friendships with that we didn't know each other when we started competing. Yeah. And, you know, we both wanted to kick each other's tails. But sure. at the end, there was mutual respect and hell of a job. And, hey, you, good job. Hopefully, hopefully we get you next time. Yeah, no, I've, I've really appreciated the same thing. Um, like you said, we didn't know each other. And I just, I, I, I started looking up because I was coaching boys before I got to Valley. And uh, I looked up, you know, who are the best teams outside of our area so we can go 
you know, be in the same vicinity as them, go play them, you know, and, and you guys kick their butt every single time. But, you know, we tried to, <laughs> we tried to, we tried to make it competitive as long as we could. You guys are just, you know, a well-oiled machine and you guys have been better. Um, but I just, uh, the way you coach, if you're up 30, it doesn't matter. You know, you're still coaching your kids. You're not sitting down. And the no. same thing, even at, you know, in the games that we've been down 30 to you guys, uh, I'm coaching the entire Absolutely. game because that's the competitive spirit. And if you're just better, it's our job to, to make sure that we get to that level. Uh, it, it reminds me of this year. And you guys came, you guys came uh, I guess, up to us. Um, and I really thought we could compete, but we have to play really, really well. In the first half, you know, after one, we were tied. And then you guys go up six at the half. And then you guys just keep coming. You guys are so relentless. Um, and we ended up losing by 20 in the, in the end. But you felt good about the way we competed. Mm -hmm. we, we gave it everything that we could. And at the end of the day, it just wasn't good enough. Um, and that's, that's the competitive spirit, you know. And um, watching the last dance has been terrific. I know you got you've been entrenched in it uh, oh, yeah. just, seeing, just seeing your tweets and us talking about it um, but I want to talk a little bit about how you run your program uh, uh -huh. because it's a well-oiled machine and it starts you know at the kindergarten level uh you know was were you always this organized uh how how was it for you to get these steps in the process uh you know just tell me a little bit about uh how how you do things well you know it's something that's become this big of a magnitude of running something all the way through kindergarten is far greater than anything I could ever do myself. I have wow. an amazing staff. Um, Mark Howard has been with me for forever. Could be one of the top varsity head coaches in the Valley. If you wanted to yep. Dwayne Stewart was a former head coach and is very technical. Meredith Pulliam was a head varsity coach and a head college coach at one point. Haley White is with us now, and she's been a head varsity coach and a head uh, junior college coach. Wow. Devin Cross has been with me for many years, would be a top varsity coach if he wanted to. So that core of people have been with me, most of all of them, six to 10 years, most, wow. most of them closer to 10. And most I importantly, have, you lean on them for that. Like you, oh, yeah. you, you are, you are very engaged with your assistants mm -hmm. and they have a very, very big imprint on the program. And I think Absolutely. that empowerment really helps your entire program. Yeah, no, I, there, there's times, especially when I get somebody that either comes up to varsity for the first time or is new to our program, I'll walk by them a lot of times in practice and say, Hey, coach, like I'm not here. Coach, like I'm not here. Or they'll say, Hey, we're not doing this. I will blow the whistle. I'll go tell them. I mean, I want our coaches because when they start jumping in and teaching, they trigger something that for me to, to build upon with that. And I might be fixated on the fact that nobody's boxing out, but they're, they're noticing that nobody's sprinting the floor or yeah. he's noticing that we're standing on offense. And so all of our little pet peeves and twerks that we like or really dislike as coaches, when we all have a voice, we really feed off each other. And then we're giving the kids that much more information. Right. And I mean, our, our staff is so committed. They all take a team, AAU team, as soon as the season ends. Um, you'll go to an AAU or summer league game for us, and you'll see six, seven coaches on the bench. Yeah, that's and it's it's not it's not me. I just try to I I don't like to demand things of my coaches. I I really just try to set the example. I only get frustrated when they don't see the example and and follow suit. And the people I have now, they 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 don't do that. They're Hey, I know we have our tournament cup in two weeks. So do we need to do the brackets? Do we need to, you know, they're, they're proactive with stuff like that because they've been with me so long. 
Right. Um, they know how anal I am about things, but they, they, the people that are, I've surrounded myself with are, are wired the same way. And it's pretty cool because we have four coaches, four younger ones that played for me at West. And then Haley actually played for me on my first, second varsity team in Reno. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll have five former players that are involved in our program somewhere sixth grade through varsity next year. So um, th- that's neat too, to have them, you know, they know our way. They have the loyalty. Um, when I first started hiring coaches, I always thought I, I need somebody that knows basketball. I need somebody that knows basketball. And going through some trial and error with that, um, having some people that weren't loyal, having some people with their own agendas, having some people without the same work ethic. My two things now are loyalty and work ethic. Right. If you if you betray me or the program or the kids, I can't have you. And if you're not a worker, I can't have you. Right. And if you're those two things, I can teach you anything else. Sure. And so um, th- those are the people that I, I need to be able to count on because I think your staff can make the bad times tolerable and makes the good times great. Right. No, you've definitely modeled the right way to do it. And again, the people that you bring into the program are the lifeblood of it. And it just continues to foster success when you, when you're doing it the right way, you're modeling it yourself. And then you've got great individuals that you trust and you empower them. Then you got a really, really good situation, uh, which you do. Um, Tell me about some of the challenges because everybody would look at, a program like Clovis West that is is one of the best in the nation uh, as far as girls basketball. I know you guys have a great athletics program in general, but we all have challenges. Some, some people will be like, oh, if I just had, you know, if I just did it, you know, if I just had Clovis West. Well, everybody's got their, you know, you know what, SHI, and we can't, we can't be looking up over at somebody else's lawn saying, man, it looks pretty good over there. But tell us some of the inside things that maybe you might have to deal with that uh, programs may not know about. Well, you know, as, as, as you get to know coaches or, you know, I, I've never been one to make excuses. And, you know, you, you have to find your way and navigate through things. And all coaches vent, oh, poor us. We don't have this. If we, if we had your shooters, if we had your facilities, <laughs> if we had – you know, if we got to go to this tournament and it's like over the years I've realized and and try to reiterate back to them, we all have problems or just different problems. You might be at a low income school with, with no parents and you don't get any fundraising. And this person might have over the top parents that just think that because they write a check to a private school that they have a voice in your program. And this person, you know, might've played in the high division one or NBA. So they think that they have enough, you know, and it's just, you have all these different factors. You might have no administrative support. You might have no staff. Um, You know, I I think we've been fortunate that what drew me from, because when we were in Reno, we were number one to three in the state for the last six, eight years I was there. It was us and Tennille Gorman each year battling it out. And um, what drew me to Clovis West was when I came down and looked around was everybody wanted to be number one. And there were programs and people up in Northern Nevada that you were resented for working hard because you might be making somebody else look bad. Like, Hey, you need to chill a little bit. Like true story, a a league rival of mine up there when my twins were born, got back to me, he said, Hey, well, hopefully, hopefully he won't be able to put so much time in the gym now. It's like, wait, because, because my kids are born, you, you, rather than you saying, I see what they're doing, I'm going to put in that much work or more. Right. You're hoping now maybe I won't be putting in as much time, you know? And so it's like Clovis West and Clovis Unified 
everybody wanted to be number one. Mm-hmm. And it was embraced. And, 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 how, and how did they display that to you? Was it, you know, because the one thing for them, they just tell you, hey, we want to be number one. And then when you get there, the whole situation is different. But obviously you felt something a little bit different. Well, when I went down, um, when they came and talked to me about coming down, the first time I went down, it was a, a great visit. It was, you know, everybody is gushing and overwhelming. And I, I'm always, I'm a cautious person. I, I make calculated decisions and, and it felt great, but it seemed like, mm, was it a little bit of a show? Right. And so I came back down um, late months later and I said, I don't want anybody to know I'm coming because there's a boys basketball game that night. I said, I'm going to walk around campus. I'm going to hang out. Most of 99% of the people don't even know who I am. And I want to see if it's for real. And so I literally walked around campus and went and sat right in the middle of the the boys' parents during the game. And I I told him, I said, I don't want anybody to know I'm here. If anybody comes up and approaches me, it's off. And it was, it was just like it was when I, when they set it up for me. And so I'm like, okay, these are genuine people that just want to be, and so I think our athletic department, you know, obviously we have Vance Wahlberg, who's, you know, one of the top coaches of any level in the, in the country. Yep. Um, but, but we have some, some excellent coaches that really push each other to be better. Right. And it can be in a multitude of ways. It could be your feeder program. It could be your fundraising. It could be your scheduling. Yeah. It could be, hey, baseball got a brand new scoreboard. We need to do this in the gym. So, you know, we, we just have a, an awesome staff and an athletic director that is raising the bar for us all the time. So you, you, you feed off that culture within, your, within ourselves. Yeah. It seems like you guys run more of a private school type of deal and you guys are a public school. Like you are yes. a, a nationally ranked public school, uh, but you guys are, 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 are beating a lot of the private schools. Like in our area, you know, this it's, it's basically dominated by all the private schools yeah. and the, the public schools, you know, and I think you guys just created an open division, uh, you know, to kind of get you guys out of there and, and, and all the good, <laughs> exactly. teams, all the good teams uh, to play each other. So when we're in the playoffs, we're basically playing our entire league and then maybe one or two other spinoffs. Um, but they're mostly all uh, private schools in your area. It's the other way around. Uh, tell me about, you know, that dynamic, because the, the schools that you're going against uh, on this national level have different resources than what the public school has. And you've created a model where you can now compete with the best. And some would even say that you have just, just as many resources, but that came from all your work ethic as well as the athletic administration. So tell me about that process on, on basically saying, here's where we're at and this is where we want to get to. And how did you guys, you know, figure out how to fundraise and travel all over the country and do all these things? Well, you know, it's, we have tremendous resources um, in Clovis Unified. The fact we kind of have that, the combination of a small school or a small town feel in a big city because we, our district's set up where everybody's territorial. We have our seven feeder schools. And so my thing is I, I, not a knock on any local anything. I don't want them thinking about the Warriors or Stanford or whatever. I want, I want those young kids wearing Clovis West shirts. I want them excited about Clovis West girls basketball. And, you know, people will say, well, most of your kids only play one sport. Do you tell them not to play this or that? And I said, I, I would, first off, I'd never do that to a kid. If you love something, play it because you're only in high school for four years. Play it as long as you want. 
my whole thing is I want them to fall in love with basketball to the point where that's their first priority. Now, I don't ever make it their first priority. We don't penalize kids like an AAU. If a kid has club volleyball on Mondays and can come to us on Wednesdays, they tell the parents, hey, send them on Wednesday. If they fall behind, that, that's on them. They're not going to get penalized. But if they fall behind because they're missing one night a week, that, that's up to them. But I just – I want them to – you know, there have been coaches that are like, hey, how come so many girls, you know, are, are doing basketball so early and, and only do basketball when they get to high school? And, and one of my assistants turned to him and said, you don't understand. He's getting them in kindergarten and first grade. Right. That he has a relationship. You know, I, I can tell you who our 15 best third graders are right now. Yeah. You know, and I can tell you our, our 12 best second graders right now. And, you know, that, but that, that's, that's our staff putting all that time with them. So we have the, the infrastructure and the feeder system and the articulation all the way through because we're in charge of it to, to have those kids coming up. So the resources are tremendous. Um, we have a district that wants you to go play a national schedule. Yeah. So like the last two years, our kids have taken finals on the road. Right. Most schools would say, you know, when I was in Reno, you could miss a day and a half the entire year. We yeah. miss a full week. And they're like, hey, go out and win. Good luck. Because they, they want Clovis Unified being put on a national, national level. And I don't like, I mean, we, we do have a ton of high schools in California, but we all, the better ones always end up seeing each other. Whether you go to a tournament up north, you go to a tournament down south, it's a lot of the same teams a lot. Right. And so I love going out of state. I love, I love getting our team out of here. Um, I think there's a tremendous amount of bonding and maturity and leadership and adversity that you go through on the road. Um, we usually drive to Arizona, which is like a 10 hour drive and it's hell on us. The girls sleep a lot of the way, but yeah. we're doing TikToks in the thing and we're having real things and, you know, yeah. we're lip sync battles with the other vans and, there's just all those things that go into um, building a program. So, right. you know, it, it is a challenge being a public school in California because the central sections like Nevada, where you only have a couple privates right. and you have a lot of small town teams that, you know, th that are very good. Like we have Carruthers and Sierra Pacific that are very good small town teams here, but the privates don't dominate our section. So right. our open division this year was the top four from our league. Us, Clovis yeah. North, Clovis Buchanan. I mean, you're talking for the top 50 teams in the entire state. Our 1,500 high schools were in one league. Right. And so that was our open division was round three of track, which wasn't very exciting for us because we're like, God, we play each other all the time. We just played each other a week and a half ago. And now our semi, you know, the playoffs are always exciting to play somebody new. Um, but we've been, you know, we've been the only public school that's been in the open division the last seven years out of the entire state. And so – my first year of the open division, I'm like, this is bull crap. Yeah. They got all the privates here. We, we lost by 36 and I think 38 our first two years in the open. Yeah. And I'm like, we can never get there. And then it, the next year. They put you as a seven or eight seed, have to go on the road down to L.A. And yep. play one of the big, one of the big ones. Because, because at the time, every section had to have at least one representative. Right. And that was what was frustrating is the open division is supposed to be the 16 best teams. Well, there were years we were ranked 32 in the state and we got thrown in the open. Right. And so it's like, if you, if you say the Southern section, which is so loaded with amazing coaches and amazing teams can only have four teams. Well, heck you take the top 15, they usually have 10 of them. Sure. And, and so when they took those caps off, we're getting a more equal representation of that. But right. 
the first few years, the Division Four winner would win by 30 points. Exactly. Because they might have been the fifth best team in, in Southern Cal, but right. they were, you know, a borderline national caliber team. So, um, you know, I, I think the articulation and feeder system of us having our AAU program starting in second grade is how we combat. We don't get McDonald's All-Americans. We don't get 6364 walking into our gym. Um, there's so much talent in the Bay Area and so much talent in Southern Cal. And there's so many high-profile private schools that kids all go to that our, our, our feeder program is, is really kind of what helps us be a little bit of an equalizer to maybe our kids have, have played with us longer, they're fundamentally sound, and, and maybe the, our chemistry can help us in some of those big games. Right. No, uh, you make some good points. Uh, one, you know, after your first year, you probably figured out, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to go play whoever we play, and we're going to figure it out one way or the other. And you, you've obviously done that, and you capped it off uh, in 2017 with, uh, with the state championship and a national title. Uh, you know, even, even as I look at it, when the, when the CIF playoffs start, you know, our, our bad years, or the one bad year that we had, uh, record-wise, they send us to D2 and we go to the, the, the NorCal final game. And the other years where we have better teams, you know, we get lower seeds because in our league, we play against really good competition the entire time. So our league record where somebody might go 10 and 0, you know, we might go five and five and get second place. And, you know, we get a low seed in, you know, a 16 seed or 13 seed and have to go on the road, but you know, you can't get upset about it. You just gotta, you gotta be better and wherever you're placed, you're placed and go and play and just compete. And uh, you know, I I definitely like your approach and your mindset to that. Um, Tell me about this because, you know, I've got young kids and I don't know uh, how I'm going to be when they start playing, if they start playing. But if they do, I want some advice. Uh, you coached your daughter for four mm-hmm. years. Well, much longer than that, probably yeah. even when she was in AAU, uh, you know, from kindergarten all the way up. Yeah. Tell me about the dynamic of coaching your daughter. For those that don't know, uh, your daughter, Maddie was a freshman or just finished her freshman year at USC. Uh, and she, she was a phenomenal player, Thank you. Uh, played combo guard and, and really had your mentality. I mean, she was, she's an incredible leader. She would get on her teammates um, and she's just a really good player. So I know you're Thank extremely you. proud of her, uh, but tell me how it was coaching her. And were there any, like any days where it's like, I don't know if we should be doing this or was it, you know, I know there's some challenges, but, uh, Give, give the people some insight to that. You know, I, I would say it was 90% just incredible, amazing experience. And then there's mm-hmm. 10% that, you know, you look back at the days that you were too hard because it's your kid. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I've seen both ends of it with other coaches where the kid, coach's kid gets favored. And I've seen it where the coach's kid gets it way worse yeah and I went with the way if she's going to get it way worse there's going to be nobody that's going to be able to say she got what she got because of me um, of course there's the people that are clueless or, or bitter for success that try to make excuses or say you know she's going to USC because of me I've got lots of college coaches friends that you know didn't recruit her didn't offer her that right. you know they, they, they've got to put food on their table too so um, you know being able to share the journey with her was tremendous and then experiencing she won league all four years she won valley all four years to win a state championship was just 
another level um, with that whole group and then special having my daughter involved, um, a national championship, and then seeing what she did after that group graduated and her putting it on her shoulders to be the alpha and to, and, to and take the afar, reins. Sorry to cut you off from afar. That was, I mean, that was incredible when she, when you moved her to point guard and she was, she was the, the main primary ball handler. Not that you didn't have other ball handlers, but she was going to be your best option, but she was also your best shooter. Yeah. And so that, that raised some challenges, but you know, to her credit, she did a really good job of not only just playmaking, but finding her opportunities to, to score where you guys needed it. Yeah, no. And it's, it's crazy because I see people that, you know, you, you, you face guard somebody and they get eight and, or you, you know, you run doubles at them and they get nine. And it's like, she averaged 21 game or game her junior year. And yeah. everybody from Christmas on face guarded her, sank somebody at the rim and face guarded her, ran doubles at her. Um, it, what made her so dangerous was she's such an unselfish player. She can score in bunches. She can shoot from deep. But if I didn't have to get her shots, I just need to get the ball in her hands because right. she was such, such good vision and was such a good passer that she would find the right person to make you pay if you ran doubles at her. And so, um, you know, to, to have that selfless of a player with all the great players who've had at Clovis West be the school's career-leading scorer, career-leading three-point shooter. And what was impressive was she was 5'11 guard, but she ended up being the school's leading rebounder. And, you know, she, she just she would just go get the ball. Yeah. And I, ju I just always loved how – I could coach her hard and she would raise it up to a level. And, you know, that's those kids that the light's never too big for, um, you know, the Danae Marquez and the Sarah Bates and Maddie, those, those type of kids that the big moments you just, they shine brighter. Those, those are the special ones. And did you have to push her to want to be great, you know, or did she just see what you were doing? You were always in the gym working with kids, and she was like, hey, I'm just going to go work on my game too. You know, she just – she's always been a gamer. She's been fearlessly competitive and just loved the game. And, you know, I always knew she was pretty good, but I, when I took her in eighth grade to play um, Cal Stars for Kelly Sopak, the first practice, um, the tryout, he walks over midway through and he goes, She's really good. Yeah. And I was like, well, I know she's pretty good. He goes, no, she's really good. He goes, she, she's going to be a Pac-12 kid. I'm like, you think? I mean, I, I figured she could probably be a college player in eighth grade, but, you know, you know who knows? She's 5'9", skinny as a rail. Yeah. And he goes, Craig, she's really good. And, you know, she just continued to develop and grow her game as she came in as a, a shooter and a, a passer, and then she could take you off the dribble and then her junior year she started posting up kids and taking advantage of smaller guards and added a mid-range game so I mean she just she's constantly striving to get better and right. um her, her work ethic um she, she's a kid that you know you, you love the kids that love to train and she she loves practice and you know yeah I'm sure there's days that you know it sucks like it does for all of them but she genuinely loves getting to the gym and, and understands this is how I get better yeah. Uh, pivoting a little bit, but still talking about your family. Tell me about how you balance it, because, you know, I, I don't think there really is a balance as a coach. There's always going to be uh, basically like a, a pie and you're going to you're going to have sections of that pie that you devote your time to. A lot of it is devoted to, you know, other kids. I know it as a as a coach myself and it seems like I'm always gone or whatever it may be and for me I've always tried to integrate my family 
with what's going on. Uh, I want them to come on the trips with me. I want them to sit at the dinners with the, with the team or, uh, or, you know, or just bond with the girls or whatever it may be. I want, I want them, I want my son to be in the locker room. I want my daughter to do the same thing. What have you done to kind of bring, you know, your family together along for the ride? Well, I think first and foremost, it starts by having a very supportive and amazing spouse. Um, you know, if she knew I was a coach when she met me, she, yeah. you know, she's very competitive and type A herself. And yeah. so she knows, she understood that piece going in. Um, and, and, you know, like I think as Coach Bruno said over the coaching clinic we were part of this weekend, um, you know, his family, other people have family businesses that the family's a part of. Well, ours is basketball. You know, they've got to be a part and invested in what it is. And, sure. um, you know, my, my daughter's eight and she comes along on road trips. Maddie and, and her twin brother used to come along when they were younger. And our four-year-old's a little crazy still, so he's not quite <laughs> ready for trips. Yeah. Um, he'll set the bus on fire. But, um, yeah. you know, they have to be a part of it. But they're, they're at all the games. And my wife's family and, you know, her, her parents and sisters and grandparents are all here in town. And they come to our games, they travel to out of state tournaments with us. And so it, it does, they, they, if you, if you separate it, it's going to fraction faster and harder For because sure. they're, it, it's so demanding and right. it's so consuming emotionally. And I've tried to subscribe to, but I feel it all the time of be where your feet are yeah. when, when you're, when you're in the gym, be in the gym, when you're at home, leave the gym there. But as you know, when, when you're working with kids, and the demands, the stress, the expectations, the pride, it, it's there all the time. And so the more you can include them in things, I think the, the, the better the, they're invested and they're a part of it. But I think, it's, I think it really becomes a struggle and ultimately will fraction if you say, I'm a coach and here's my family. I don't know. I don't know if you can keep it separate. You definitely can't. And uh, the ones that do it well always, you know, try to include and integrate. And uh, like you said, everybody's got to be on board. You know, all the coaches that I talk to or, or even business professionals, they're always talking about, you know, their spouse being, you know, so supportive. And then, you know, vice versa, we have to be supportive in whatever they do. And, you know, and I think that's a very key, uh, key point that you made. Uh, let me talk about some hoops now. Uh, yep. Tell me about player development, getting your players better. You're one of the, you're one of the best coaches to get your entire team better not necessarily just one or two individual players but your entire team and it fits fits your system and style of play to a t you know everybody can do three things dribble pass and we know at clovis west they can shoot the basketball um, and even if you don't have a kid that can shoot the ball you figure a way out for them to be successful i know you've had some really good rebounders where they, they would, you know, outside of your dribble drive offense, they would go get every single offensive rebound if they were down there on the baseline spot. Uh, the guys would call it the dunk spot. I don't know what you guys call it. Um, <laughs> but uh, tell me about, you know, the, the player development at Clovis West. You know, that's something we've taken a lot of pride in as a staff. And it's one of my favorite things is the teaching part. There's about four or five games a year that I really get up for. Mm -hmm. And I love practice. I love being able to teach and refine and, and helping kids get better and then seeing them eventually go out and do things they couldn't do before. Yep. And so, you know, I, we've taken a lot of pride in, I, I see other K 
kids that they get better because they get older. Um, our kids get better because they grow their game and expand their skill. And so, um, you know, when we've several, so gosh, 15 years ago or more changed my mindset. It, some te teams, they just scrimmage in the summer. And for me, it's like, you're going to play 40 games with us. You're going to play another 40, 50 with club between spring and summer. You're going to get enough games. Right. We want to get better. And so, um, you know, during the season, by the end of the season, we have a lot of stuff and we run like 26 set man plays, about 10 or 12 zone sets. We have about 25 inbounds sets that we run. But during the summer, I keep it very, very vanilla. I want them to learn how to play so that they become, yeah, we'll run a set if we needed to win a game or end of a, end of a half in summertime. But I, I really want them to learn how to figure things out and become better. So we spend all our time on skill development. Um, right. if, if we were in school right now, we'd be going three days a week of skill development. Right. And as soon as summer hits, we go eight to eight to 10, all skill work. And then 10 to 11, we lift four days a week. We're playing summer league two nights a week. And then we're play, going and playing in a weekend tournament. And we go through all the way through the end of July on skill work. And so, yeah, we'll do some, some one on O stuff or some one on one stuff, some two on two stuff. We all, and we'll do some one on O, three on O, two on O working on, on developing that chemistry and, and synergy of playing with each other. But we're, we're going to make all of our kids pass with their weak hand. We're going to um, really break down their shooting and nitpick their shooting every single day, 30 minutes year round. Um, we're, we're shooting competitively and, and nitpicking, breaking that down. So we don't spend a lot of time scrimmaging in the summer and off season because you're going to play enough games to go put that into work. Right. So we really are breaking down um, their ball handling, their footwork, their finishing moves, their passing, um, their spacing, and, and understanding moving without the basketball, and then obviously a ton of time on our shooting. Absolutely. Uh, switching pivots, uh, talk about your defense a little bit. That's one of the staples that you guys have. Uh, you guys are always, always, always one of the better defensive teams that we've played. Um, and it's just relentless. You have to be ready for pressure at all times. Uh, even if you guys get beat a couple of times, it doesn't matter. You guys still keep on coming. And, and more times than not, you really break, you know, you really break teams down and you can kind of pull away. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, we talked about this on our, our pre-call. Uh, I really love the fact that even if you do get up, you don't let up. You may take the press off. But then you switch up, you know, whether it be, you know, some of your zones that you're working on match up uh, or even man to man. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell me about your defensive philosophy, because it's, it's one of the best in the country. Thank you. We you know, we, we would love to press and trap the entire game. Um, and we have probably seven, eight different hybrids of how we do that. Some people look at us and go, oh, you guys just run a two two one. Yeah, if that's all you think we got, <laughs> it's going to be a long night. Yeah. Um, we, we will try to tweak it into what your press break is and hopefully make you go to an option B or C and right. most teams don't have a C. Um, if you've got one great guard, we're going to get it out of our hands. Um, if you like to dribble, we're going to try to make you pass. If you like to pass, we're going to try to make you dribble. So we have a lot of variance in how we do it. Um, you know, it, it the, there's a lot of staples and consistencies to what we do defensively. Um, we score everything in practice. So like when we scrimmage, we don't just go twos or twos, threes or threes. We have a whole defensive scoring system. So 
Like if we get a, a steal in the back court, it's worth two points. If we get a steal in the front court, it's worth one. We, we want to obviously try to steal it closer to our basket so we have a better conversion rate. Right. Um, all deflections are worth a point. Um, charges taken are always worth two points. And so, yeah, the buckets might count, but you, there's other ways for you to impact the game, which also, you know, you're not going to have a team full of scorers. And so, you know, it, it balances out in practice that if our second team's not as talented as our first team, mm-hmm. through effort and detail and hard work, they, they can compete with the first team. Um, in, and when we do our press scrimmages, if you score on your, on your uh, press offense, you don't get any points for it. You get to play defense. You can, your points only come if they come off a turnover. So if I steal it, we get two, I throw it ahead to you for lit. That's a four-point play. But yeah. if you score on your press break, you don't get any. So it gets the kids to understand – we want to shift our focus into we want to play defense, not we have to play defense. Right, um, I love that. Yeah, communication is huge. Um, we're, we name every position of our press and of our man defense. Um, so, like, you'll, you'll have a team, say, playing against a dribble drive, as an example. Mm-hmm. If the one penetrates, a lot of teams will have three kids saying, I got help, I got help, I got help. Well, what are you doing? Three of you are saying, I got help, but that doesn't tell you anything. Right. So we've named our positions like our first line of, of defense is the rim defender. You're going to protect rim anytime somebody penetrates. Our second person is the help the helper. We call her drop. You're going to drop and cover the rim girl. Sure. And our third line of defense is, is the split person. You're going to drop and split between the two. And so by having a, a one name, I'm rim, I'm drop, I'm split, it, it also is saying what their action is when this happens. And so um, – it's, it's very intricate, but our kids, you know, over time, they really grasp it. And then, you know, we, we start playing more seamlessly. Right. No, I love that. Uh, I love the terminology and we all have our own. Uh, we would say, you know, obviously you have the person on the ball and then we have the gap defender and then we have the anchor. So the anchor would be, you know, the, your help, the helper. Um, but no, I love that. A lot of times the people don't get into that, into their sets when they're playing you guys though. So, uh, you know, I don't know how often – you know, when you get to late February and March, you obviously, you know, have to see some people run sets against you. Um, but one of the things that uh, I always see your team do is playing hard. You know, what, uh, what are you doing to get your team to play with so much energy and effort? You know, it's funny because I, I get about six to ten either texts or emails a year that say, hey, we played you last night or, hey, I saw you play your kids are always in such great shape. What do you, what do you guys do condition wise? Yeah. And they're always surprised when I tell them we don't really condition much. Right. And like, well, what do you mean? You, you got to do something. I mean, you guys run the mile. Do you get, I go, we practice so hard that our kids play themselves into shape. Now, of course you're going to have some conditioning. Um, but re- literally when our kids are running in practice without a ball, they've either lost a drill or coach is really, really, really bad. <laughs> but we, we try to make every single drill in practice a winner and a loser. And so we, we, our kids start to just understand that when you step out in the floor, we shoot free throws. You put two girls over there and start shooting to say, hey, go shoot 20 free throws. They're going to start talking about the prom that weekend or what movie they want to watch Saturday night. Or, and so they've got to, our kids have a down and back for every miss. And then as a team, as soon as we're done at our hoops with our free throws, the team has to be over 80% as a team, or they run it down and back for everyone we're under 80%. Right. Every box out drill has a winner or loser. Every shooting drill has a winner or loser. And it might be individual. It might be me versus you. It might be us versus other groups. 
it might be a team goal, but every single drill is being timed and scored. And so our kids that, that you just don't allow them anything but to, but to play hard. Yeah. And if they don't play hard, we'll, we'll sub them out. Okay, evidently you're not in good enough condition to keep going hard. So you can run up and down and we continue and get yourself in shape. That's one thing. And, we, and you, you, go ahead. Sorry, you, you touched on it earlier. You know, I, I had a, a reporter years ago come up to me and say, you're the most intense up 30 coach I've ever seen. And I turned to him and I said, doesn't my third string deserve the same amount of detail and coaching that my first string does? And so, you know, we're really playing to an expectation. We don't talk about score much. We don't talk about championships or Valley or it's about an expectation every day. And we feel if that we take care of that more often than not, the scoreboard will take care of itself. And so we're just trying to promote that every day of that, that competitive, you know, and understanding time and score, you know, a good yeah. shot in the first quarter, might not be the same thing in the last two minutes of a ball game. Well, you're, you're speaking our language now. The Bill Walsh, the score will take care of itself. It's a great book that, uh, that he put out uh, a while back, but it's still a great read. And, and yeah. we just talked about it uh, at the, the coaching clinic, Corey Close, Burn Your Goals, where it's like, you know, we're not talking about the Pac-12 uh, championship. You know, we're, we're – to your earlier point, be where your feet are. And this is the only moment that we have. We can't, yep. we can't look forward because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, this is, the, this is the perfect time for not looking forward. Right. With the, uh, with the whole yeah. COVID um, you have to be where we're at and, you know, make the adjustments. Uh, but I just love the way you guys play. You guys play exceptionally hard. Uh, we try to chart everything as, as far as that goes too. And that's one of the things that I've, I've probably taken from you. We do chart every, every win, every loss, uh, and at the end of the week, we'll look and say, hey, one thing that we did this year was you get the championship belt if you won the week. So if you were, if you had 40 wins for the week and you can get a win in, in a shooting competition or one-on-one or, uh, you know, a team competition, it doesn't matter, but somebody's going to be the, the winner at the end of the week. So we just started giving them a championship belt and, and shotting them out, shotting them nice. out on Twitter. It, it worked well in the preseason um, because you just have more time uh, in the start. Once we got to the regular season, it kind of get kept getting tricky to, to continue with that. Yeah. Um, but so we just try to do some things like who's, who's taking a charge, you get the belt in the game uh, or, you know, the rebounder if we didn't take a charge that time. Yeah. Um, so touch on your offensive philosophy. You've got, uh, I mean, we, we could literally do a segment with you on each one of these, but I just want to give a high level overview for anybody that's listening. Um, talk about your offensive philosophy. Uh, you guys are, are, tremendous shooters one of the best shooting teams in the country you guys work on it uh you have a specific way in which you want them all to shoot and they've been doing it you know since they're in kindergarten and it really really plays well to the style of play and it's given you a lot of success so tell me a little bit about that well you know i, I think first and foremost going back to the player development it doesn't matter what you run if you don't have kids that can put it in the bucket and if you have kids that can put it in the bucket you, whatever you run is going to work a lot better. Right. Um, so, you know, our skill development, our kids being able to shoot the basketball gives us a lot of variety. Um, you know, year to year, we, we run a, we've run a lot of different wrinkles. Um, we, we have kind of a, a dribble drive mentality, um, which kind of goes, it, it, it's a good balance with our pressure because both are attack mode all the time. Um, 
but we've also gone away from some of our post players are more versatile um, than we were in the past, or there's been years where we had no post players recently. And so we've kind of taken the dribble drive and gone to a more morphed it into a five out. Um, initially, like with our 2017 team, we had a little bit more of a true um, five out motion where we had flare screens and slips and on balls and because it was a really high basketball IQ team. Right. There were seven division one kids and a full D2 kid on that team. Um, after that class graduated, our basketball IQ went down and we were really, really young. So we, we took our dribble drive concepts and put it into a five out um, attack. And, and we've been tweaking those principles the last three years and, you know, constantly talking to people that run it, stealing ideas from other people. And, you know, I'll watch somebody. I'm like, Ooh, I like that part that they do. So we'll go back and make it a part of what we do. And yeah. so, um, you know, it's the, the commonalities are we're, we're always in attack mode. We're always sprinting and spacing the floor. Um, we, we, you better be able to shoot and, and handle the ball and playing selflessly. Um, you take a bad shot. I don't care if you're our best player or worst player, you're going to hear about it. And we're going to let you know why we don't, we don't, uh, we, we don't need the kid that's going to take, get 18 points on 25 shots. Um, right. You know, we're looking for the kid that is going to find the best shot for us. We want you to identify where our better players are. Our better players are going to get more of the shots, but you better be ready to shoot it and confidence when you're open. Um, right. But, but that's a lot of time. Our, our three point shooting and our attack mode kind of, everything else falls into place based on what we do. And then we, we do, we, we put in a lot of nice sets. Um, I'm always stealing stuff from college coaches, high school coaches. We'll go to a Christmas tournament. I'm like, Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I'll go yeah. and, and steal it. And I, I always try to give a shout out, name it after their mascot oh, yeah. or their school yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, but you know, I just, the, the, our three point shooting, because we don't have a six, three, six, four post, because we're not the most athletic team in the world. Um, it, it's an equalizer. You have to, you have to extend and guard us because we're going to shoot. We didn't shoot the lights out. We had a good shooting. I wouldn't say a great shooting, but we had a good shooting team this year. And we were averaging 11 threes a game. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that, that's a lot. We had games with 16, oh, yeah. 15, 17 threes this year where after the game, I'm like, we shot it okay. We weren't lights out, but we I mean, shot it okay for us. Yeah, I was there when you guys made the – you didn't, you weren't playing against us, thankfully, but – you guys made 20 was it four three 24 threes or 21 against uh was it, it was, at, at st mary's against you made, Perry or you it was up at your place you guys made the most threes in a game oh yeah it was i think I it was, it was i think it was 21 21 okay yeah yeah speaking of uh stealing plays we have a play called eagle because nice. we, we took that from you uh nice you know, you know, I like, I was a shooter, so I like a lot of flares, uh, stuff like that. So, you know, some of the flare action that you guys run is really, and then the slips, uh, it really works well, especially if you have kids that can shoot and then a kid that can dive and, and make a catch and, and a play at the rim. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, it, it's all about uh, that growth, you know, and just taking different nuggets that you can put in your own arsenal and then you make it how you want it. Um, Speaking yeah. of that, you know, I was on a pot, I was listening to a podcast probably last August and you popped on uh, and I was just, and you, you know, you just, and I have your number and you were telling coaches to reach out 
And so I, I hit you up for a couple of, of shooting drills. And, uh, you know, that really, that really changed my mind about a lot of things. You know, one is the relationships that you have with the, the coaches that you compete against. Why are we all trying to hold on to all this information? Because even though, you know, we might run the, I might steal a play from you, it doesn't mean that you can stop it or vice versa, you know? Yeah. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's basically letting go of our ego. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast, just to share more information with others. You know, um, Kobe, you know, when Kobe passed away, that really hurt a lot of people. And mm -hmm. I know you, I got a chance to meet him and, and kind of uh, pick his brain as well. But it was, it was just, he was on a, on a search to give out all the information that he possibly could. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just think that is a beautiful thing. When did you come to, to, be wanting, uh, to be more of a sharer? Because a person on your level as a coach, one of the best coaches in the entire country, uh, when did you become more of a sharer? You know, probably, it, it, and it's funny because as you win more, people want to know more what you're doing. Sure. Um, but there's also, there, there's a great um, misconception that the highest level is the best level of coach. Um, we talked about this a little bit. I mean, yep. the, the, I could name five or 10 coaches in California that are as good as any D1 coach I've been around. And it, it's, you know, elite coaches are elite coaches. And there, there we have some amazing ones um, in California that just do a tremendous job. Yeah. Um, you know, it's I we actually get more people out of our area that come to our practices to see what we're doing and implement it than we do in our area. And I don't know if it's um, jealousies, if it's um, bitterness, if it's egos that uh, we we don't have anything we can learn from them. We're going to beat them our way. Um, but, but we, I mean, we've had people come from um, Chicago and from Florida and from Southern Cal and from Arizona and just come to our practices and yeah. it, it, it's open. Come on in. And I mean, I, I, I picked the brains of so many people over the years and I, I love going and watching other people's practices. I used to year about probably 15, 20 years ago to always go to those Nike coaches clinics and different yeah. coaching clinics. Mm -hmm. um, I like the ones that are more intimate, like what we just did this weekend. Me too. Um, and I like, I like going to, because I found what happened was it, it got stale at those clinics. They're teaching three man weave. Well, I don't want to see three man weave. We've all seen three man weave. Show me your best sets. Show me your skill development. Show me your shooting drills. Show me your base, favorite out-of-bounds plays. Like, those are the things I want to see. Um, so I, I like going to colleges or even high schools and, and sitting down and watching somebody's practice. And, you know, even if I'm stealing, you know, a phrase, a, a, one term might make me better. Um, so it, our door is open. Um, you know, we, we got a lot of people that are inquiring about our shooting program in the last two years in particular. Um, and the slasher it's really picked up. Mm -hmm. um and, and we're, we're videoing some of that and i'm sending stuff out and it's you know it, it's stuff that I, i've stolen and put together from a lot of people and converse with a lot of people um but our, our, our doors open people just need to reach out yeah I've, I've uh i have a same uh type of approach to it i always want people to come in the gym number one it makes uh it makes me better if uh, people are coming in, because I want to know, you know, do you like what this is going on? Or if you have any, uh, you know, 
if I, if I respect you, any possible critiques or anything that you see that our team could do better, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times I'll have, you know, friends of mine that coach on the, on the boys side, just come in and watch and say, Hey, what do you see? And we, we practiced at Bellarmine uh, when our gym was down and, and like, he was like, do you guys always score this well? And I was, uh, it was just a good day for us, but yeah. it just kind of made you re re reinforce some of the things that you're doing. Yeah. He's like, oh, we do that. We run that horn set. We run that horns action. Oh, this matchup zone. And it, you just, you just collaborate with people. And what I found is nobody can mimic what you're doing anyway. You know, yeah. uh, nobody's going to be able to, to have the same, the sauce that you have. Your secret sauce is yours. And if I tried to steal anything from you outside of a, a, a flare set, I'm not going to be able to uh, mimic that. I have to be who I am and, and, yeah. and you're going to have to be who you are. And so, you know, sharing the game is only going to bring us further along uh, and why hold on to the good information that, that we're coming across because basketball is basketball. These, you know, the same stuff that Krzyzewski and, and Dean Smith and all these guys that you mentioned were doing the same thing that you were doing. I mean, people have been doing shell drill. I mean, I think people are getting away from it a little bit, but people have been doing shell drill since the beginning of basketball. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and now we're, we're, go ahead. No, I was just going to say there, there's, you know, we, we're all, every once in a while you'll, you'll tinker with your own thing and come up with your own drill or your own set, but we're really just stealing from each other morphing two different sets into something that fits your personnel. Yep. Um, you know, just this, the end of this year, you know, I was like, okay, I want some new, cause I knew we were going to be playing our league for the third time in, in the playoffs. And then looking at state and, you know, I, I was texting college coaches, high school coaches, Hey, what, what's your, what's your favorite, uh, what, give me your, your favorite zone inbounds play, right. you know? And so we we're putting in other stuff or, you know, I've texted a couple high school coaches in California. Hey, our team doesn't rebound worth a crap and your team rebounds so well. What, what do you guys do? You know, and, you know, just having that open dialogue to share with each other. You know, we all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses. Right. And I, I'm trying to get better at my weaknesses all the time. Right. Or get some assistants that are, are better at those, those things than you, which, yep. uh, which I love. I love my staff. Um, and obviously you love your staff. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, just the pressures of staying on top. You know, you guys, you know, you're one of the best teams in California. You have been for a long time, but that brings a lot of pressure. And, you know, what is it like for you to always consistently have to be at a high level? Because even if you beat a, a team by 20 points, well, you know, you're better than them by 40. Like mm -hmm. that's got to have, you know, that's got to, that's, that's got to get at a person like you a little bit. Yeah. It's, you know, there's, there's a lot to that. When I first came here, um, you know, we had some talent, but they hadn't turned the corner really. And when I started talking about we need to go out and win league, we need to go out and win league, the kids were like, coach it, do you ever feel like that's a lot of pressure? And I'm like, no, nah, because when the target's on your back, it means you're doing things right. And so we right. had to shift their mindset. And then it, it kind of came full circle when we when we won the TOC in 2017. You know, a lot of times a national champion or number one rating is just mythical because you haven't played each other. But we, we played nine of the top 15 in the country right. that season at some point. And so, you know, when we started getting the number one ranking, um, you know, that it was nice. And for a little bit, it, it, I think it got to our kids just because there was so much attention all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. um, but, but our thing was always it, the outside pressure should never be greater than our own expectation. 
And that year that we won it all, what's funny is we didn't go into the season going, we're going to win state this year. I knew we had a good veteran team and I knew we had to go through poly in the South. So we're going to play a very physical, aggressive, athletic style. So we scheduled accordingly trying to play physical, athletic, aggressive teams to just be prepared for poly. And it's just kind of as the season went on, we kept knocking these teams off. It's like, gosh, dang, we're, we're pretty good. <laughs> and it, it just kept plugging along. But even in the facet of winning the state championship, three of our last four games were wins by single digits. And all of those three were a three to four point game in the last two minutes. So, you know, we were this close to that not happening. Right. With, you know, we, we played a stretch of, I think we played seven McDonald's All-Americans that year. Um, you know, I mean, it was just, it was insane, but we just, you know, you need a little luck, you need some things to go your way, but you know, I, we really try to focus on that expectation and, and it's hard, you know, our kids, it, it was kind of cool this year because this young team really bought into the mindset in a weird way because we won the Valley championship this year and we were up 25, almost 30 on Clovis North late second, early third quarter. And then we'd done this a couple of times. We let off the gas and they came storming back and the game was never in jeopardy, but we ended up winning by 11, 12, whatever it was. And it just felt kind of empty. And I was frustrated because, you know, you want, you want to finish things. Right. And, you know, teams win Valley. Valley's a big thing down here. It's a second championship. They always run out and celebrate. This team kind of walked out and kind of high-fived and did the break. And the next day I, I text one of our, one of our captains. I said, hey, how come you guys didn't run out and, and celebrate? Because I always step back and remove myself, let the kids have their moment. Sure. And she said, well, Coach, we, we were happy we won, but we, we felt like we let ourselves down and didn't finish what we started. And I was like, okay, yeah. okay, they're getting it now. You can deal and with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I just want to make sure, you know, you're always testing, the, you know, making sure it's not something deeper. You don't have a bigger issue. Especially um, with the girls. You just never know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know what? I, I've, there's been games we've won by 40 and I'm pissed. There's been games we lost by 15 and I felt pretty good. And it's how did we play? Who was our opponent? Did we, did we meet our expectation level in all of our details, all of our principles? Do we do those at the highest level? Sometimes the team's just better than you. And sometimes you should have won by 80 and you won by 30. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, we don't take anybody for granted. We prepare the same for everybody. Um, games where we know it's going to be a blowout or should be. We try to break down certain goals and certain standards of, of what we want to accomplish by this point and stuff. And so to, to me, there's never a wasted opportunity. I will never sit down when I'm up 30. I will never sit down when I'm down 30. Our kids deserve better than that. And, and if we're going to expect that of them, I, I've got to model that. Yeah. So 26 years, how many times have you won a state championship? Uh, two, one in Nevada and one in California. And that's how hard it is. Like people don't understand. That's a oh. lot. That's a lot of teams' goal. I mean, Gino is one eleven. I think eleven. Uh, and I don't think anybody else on that coaching, uh, on that coaching clinic, the other day has won, except for Tara, has won a national championship. Yeah, I don't think so. Not off the top of my head. And I would, I, would, I would say that everybody on there is a success. Yeah. And so, you know. Those are some of the best in the, best in the business. Absolutely. And so one of the things that you mentioned just now was 
you're basically holding it to your own standard. And for those people that are out there, you may not be able to get to, you know, where you're at as far as, you know, winning goes or one of the best teams in the nation for whatever reason. Um, maybe you're not willing to put the work in because you're willing to do it, or maybe you just don't have a system in place that is going to allow that, but you have to find your own standards in which win for you. And that is really what we're all looking to do is trying to, to make it the best situation wherever we're at. And you got to be okay with whatever it is, because mm -hmm. one of the best programs in the nation is, is one state one time. Yeah. That's pretty darn hard to do, yeah. uh, and especially in California. So, you know, you always have to have those other goals uh, for yourself and for your team. Um, so do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, you know, you, I mean, a couple things that you hit on were key points. You know, there, we have 1,500 high schools in California. And Crazy. when you look at the national rankings, 1,500 high okay. schools in, in California. Yep. And like when I was in Nevada, I think we had 150. You know, I mean, just, just the amount of, of competition. And, you know, you go through Nevada, you got to be Centennial, which is a hell of a basketball team. Yeah. But you go through California, and you got to be about four of those. And so, you know, just through your chain. And so there's a lot of times teams in California would be state champions in about 42 other states. <laughs> and so our, our teams that didn't win it in California would be state champions in 42 other states. Um, right. the, the competition is unreal in California. Um, you know, and you do, you need to, you need to be true to yourself. You need to embrace what you're bringing to the table. Um, I, I remember when, when I came to West, you know, people, you're trying to build a program and, and as we were getting it going, we, we were beat, we'd beat some by 50 or 60 and, and a, a, well, when I, excuse me, when I first got hired, let me backtrack. When I first got hired, um, the district AD at the time said, you know, they, they won section a year or two ago and, and we want you to go out and win state. And I'm like, okay, I didn't see the team in there. That team's not winning state. You know, I, I knew from afar <laughs> yeah. how good the competition was. And I said, we're not going to win state every year at Clovis West. We might not win Valley every year. But what I want to build at the time, my reference was, I want to build a, a Gonzaga men's where we might not win it every year, but you don't want to play us. And, and there will be years that maybe we get, get hot or have the right connect, you know, right things fall into place and, and we kick the door open, but we right. want to be in the hunt every year. So two or three years into, into being at West, I had a long time, 35 year old, 35 year tenure football coach turn to me and say, man, you guys beat this team by 60 last night. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, just remember those that you pass on the way up are the ones you're going to pass on the way down. And he probably thought I was arrogant, but my first thought to him, I turned to him, I said, we ain't going down. We're, we're not going to be at the bottom. <laughs> and, and he goes, you can't say that. I said, yeah, I can, because we will make sure we work hard enough not to ever be in last place. And so, you know, we won't win it all every year. We, we won't win league every year. We've had a great run of 15 years of league and eight straight sections. It's going to come to an end at some point, but we feel we'll be in the hunt. And, right. you know, if, if, if you get us in one year, we're coming back next year hard for you. So that I can control. And, um, you know, those are the things that you have to pour into it, but you, you have to believe in what you're doing. You have to have support and help that believes in what you're doing as well. 
Right. One of the other nuggets that I took from the clinic was we can't control the outcome, but we can control the response. And that is that is it to a T. Well, you know, we could sit here and do this for hours and hours, and I'm sure we'll we'll get back on the text and the calls uh, as we you know close out. But I just really appreciate your time. Uh, where can everybody follow you? Uh, and you, you drop a lot of good nuggets and you got a good Twitter feed and and all that. So. Yeah, they, they can follow us. Um, Close West Girls Basketball is our Close West account. Um, most everything about our teams on there. I have my own separate one, but you can reach me on either one. Um, you can email me at the school. It's Craig Campbell at CUSD.com. Campbell, just like the soup. You can find me on the website too. Um, always happy to share. Um, this past fall, I started out a little shooting email directory, wanted to get more stuff up than we did, but um, sent out a couple of our favorite drills to people that had heard the podcast last fall and were interested. Um, and, you know, always willing to, you know, when, when you reach out and, and want to steal something, send me your favorite set, send me your favorite drill, because I'm always looking to get better too. But um, always happy to help. If you're ever in Fresno, want to come out to California, we're in the gym. Other than this COVID situation, we're in the gym 11 months a year. So come on by and, and uh, you're, the door's always open. Definitely. Well, thank you, Coach. We really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, buddy. Good talking to you. Stay safe. You too. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Buckets podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and share the show with your friends. And until next time, take care.